This is the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. Make yourself comfortable and fasten your seatbelt. Tom and his guests are about to share powerful stories, trade business building insights, and have a few laughs. Tom created this podcast to help you captivate prospects and inspire them to act so you can get more clients quickly and easily. That's what powerful storytelling is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's get this party started. Here's your host, Tom Ruich. Hey there, everyone. I'm Tom Ruich from Story Power Marketing. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Story Power Podcast. Today's episode is called You Don't Need a Greek Goddess to Conjure Great Stories. As always, I kick off this episode with a story before I introduce my guest. I recently rewatched a movie I like called The Muse. Albert Brooks plays a screenwriter named Stephen Phillips who has lost his edge. Everyone says he's past his prime, so Stephen gets a muse. Not a figurative muse, a literal muse, as in a real-life Greek goddess, a daughter of Zeus. Her name is Sarah Little, played by Sharon Stone. She has worked her inspirational magic all over Hollywood. Martin Scorsese relies on her. Rob Reiner says he couldn't have made the American president without her. And Jack Warwick sells one blockbuster screenplay after another. Thanks, he says, to Sarah. Jack is played by Jeff Bridges, and he's Stephen's pal. Jack never gets stuck like Stephen. And when Stephen asks how he does it, Jack reveals his secret inspiration. Jack says... If you're lucky enough to be with her, you'll write better than you ever have in your life. So Stephen connects with the muse, and he pans a brilliant screenplay. The studio loves it. Chalk one up for Greek goddesses and muses and the magic they conjure. Except here's the thing. Sarah Little isn't a real-life Greek goddess. She's a con artist who escaped from a psychiatric hospital in Ohio. Stephen penned his great screenplay without magic. That muse, she was just a beautiful blonde placebo. When it comes to marketing small businesses, I know a lot of people who remind me of Stephen. They think marketing and storytelling are magic arts. They imagine they don't have the creative flair to write great copy and tell powerful stories. They think they need a muse. That's a myth as far-fetched as Zeus and his nine daughters. Marketing genius Dan Kennedy put it this way, when I, get in, when I got into advertising, Dan said, I thought it was a creative exercise. It is not that at all. It is a methodical exercise. Way to go, Dan. That's inspiring, and it's true. Here's why. Everyone can master a methodical exercise. You don't need to be an artiste. You don't need some creative gift woven into your DNA. You don't need a muse. You just need to learn the method, follow the steps, deliver the goods. I teach business people how to discover and deliver powerful stories that captivate prospects and inspire them to buy. Discovering the story isn't magic, it's process. Ask the right questions, look in the right places, discover the story. Then you assemble the pieces in structures that have been repeated countless times, structures you can learn and master. So as the episode title says, you don't need a Greek goddess to conjure great stories. You have the power to create to create great stories without divine intervention. Which leads me to today's guest. Dixie Gillespie is all about helping people tap into their core power to achieve great things. Dixie is a coach, a fire starter, a champion of true dreams. She is a confirmed coffee fanatic, allergic to can't, and in love with story. Dixie is a certified magnetic mind coach and creator of 
the Return to Your Power Super Creators Coaching Programs. Dixie stepped into entrepreneurship in 1994 as a business consultant, followed her gift into coaching seven years later, and has been helping people achieve their impossibles ever since. Dixie Gillespie, welcome to the Story Power Podcast. Thank you, Tom. I've been looking forward to this so much. Like, can't wait stuff. So here we are. Let's do it. Let's do it. So you're not a muse, are you? Well, I've been called a muse actually by a mutual friend who used to, uh, he was technically a coaching client, but he used to say I was a muse. But, um, but you know, it's a funny thing. Um, there's some argument about the, the root of muse, maybe pre-Greek. But if you look at it in the Greek, it comes from a word that literally means to put in the mind, to bring into the mind. So, um, so really, either I'm not a muse or I'm a muse and says everybody else. Take your pick. You know, there is no magic. It's all magic. You know, there is no muse. We're all muses. Either one works. Yeah. And, and the, if, if we take that approach that we are all muses, that aligns with the idea that we all have this power within us. We all can return to that power. We can rediscover that power. We can tap that power. Talk to us a little bit about what that really means and how that can instruct those of us who worry about how do, how do I conjure up the stories that will captivate prospects? Yeah. You know, when we're born, you know, we come into the world, we come into it with this full awareness that, that we're part of everything. Like everything's part of us. We're part of everything. It's great. It's wonderful. The, you know, a baby doesn't have any, where am I coming up with my next idea? They don't even worry about where they're coming up with their next meal. Like it's all there, like on tap, they're part of it. And then we go through, you know, and, and different, you know, different methodologies call it different things. But, but the bottom line is we become aware enough of ourselves as individuals and the world is something separate that we go, oh, wait a minute, I'm actually a limited being. Like, this is this is all there is of me. And I'm really not part of this big thing. I'm, I'm my own thing. And, and that means a lot of threat. And so we, we write a story. I mean, everything comes down to story because right then at that point that we start realizing, well, there may be times in life I don't get everything I want because like I'm separate and, and, you know, there are big people in the world that might not give it to me. And, you know, we start writing stories about why that is. We start making up right then how things work and how we work with how things work. You know, it's it's the identity, which my working definition for identity is a little different probably than, than most of the people that you hear. So, so this is really going to relate to this whole everybody's amused. Your identity isn't you. I mean, we know that, right? Because your identity isn't the same as it was when you were five. Therefore, it's not you. So I really look at identity as like it's it's your current understanding. Like, how do you understand yourself? Your experience of yourself and your expression of yourself. But the self is the true self. So right now, I'm one aspect of true self. This is my identity. This is how I'm understanding and experiencing and expressing myself right now. Fair enough? But it's not me. I, I can I can I can totally like change that. But most of us we get stuck in this identity that says not just I'm living a limited experience, you know, where I'm confined to a human experience. I am a limited being. And right then we decide we don't have it. We don't have it. Like we got we gotta we gotta get it from somewhere else. And yeah. you know, if there's a daughter of Zeus that can give it to us, sure. Anti up, up, right? Yeah, sign <laughs> me up. And 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 Therein lies the irony that what you're talking about is the stories we tell ourselves are the things that create the barriers, the resistance, the limitations that keep us from producing the stories we want to tell. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) We're so stuck in our own story, we can't see the story. (laughs) So how do we get unstuck? How do we, you know, I, I made the comment in my initial story that I know a lot of 
business people who remind me of Stephen, who get stuck in this idea that I don't have what it takes. I can't write stories. I'm not a creative being. I need magic. Bring on the outside muse. But your point is that's all just a story that Stephen has told himself and that these other folks are telling themselves. How do you untell the story? How do you overcome that resistance? You know, it's funny because there are also people that tell themselves the story that they're so creative. I see a lot of people out there. Oh, you know, I'm so creative. I, I can, I can do this. I can make this up, but you know what? They're really creative, but they don't understand how to structure anything. Right. You know, so there's this, this creative spewing guilty. I, I've totally done this, this creative spewing. That's a bunch of brilliance, but because it's not structured, it doesn't communicate anything. And, and so it doesn't achieve anything. And they're like, people just don't understand me. They just don't get it. And so when you said we don't need to be an artiste, I have this little differentiation. I, I, you know, for me, so much of what we learn is in the nuances, the little differentiations that it's this, not that, right? Right. Um, that makes information meaningful, which is the, the true meaning of intelligence is information that I can make meaningful. We make information meaningful through differentiation. <clears throat> so here's the differentiation. There are artists and there are artists. And you knew instantly the story behind that, didn't you? Yeah. Like, absolutely. boom. I yeah. know what an artist is. I know what an artiste is. Nobody wants to be an artiste. Well, well, there are people who want to be an artiste. <laughs> because they think that's what an artist is, right? Yeah. I once had a friend say, you know, he's like, well, I'm an artist, you know, so I have to, to grow a beard and smoke and drink. And I'm like, I consider myself an artist. I don't smoke. I don't drink much. And I don't think my chances of growing a beard anytime soon are great. And I hope not, right? Yeah. So it's, it's again, it's the identity. It's what we build up about ourselves. So some people have built up this identity that says, I'm so creative. They're understanding themselves as this creative, expressive, brilliant being, but they're not connecting with an audience. And they're not connecting with an audience because they're not putting anything in a structure the audience can understand. And then there are other people that don't understand that you just, you can take anything, put it in the structure and communicate and it becomes art. You know, it's, it's, it's that two part thing. So you ask how we, we, you know, get back to it. We are born creative beings. It's, it's, it's the first thing that we, we do. We start creating. So, you know, we, you know, you watch babies, they want something to play with, you know, they're already in that. What can I do with this thing? And what can I make happen with this thing? You know, you, you give, you give a little one that hasn't been exposed to screens yet. Uh, you, know, you, you give a, you give a little one, you know, a, a, a stick and, you know, a piece of paper and they'll find all kinds of ways to poke holes in it, wrap the paper around the stick. Like, we're creators. That, that's what we come into the world to do. You know, there's a, a family myth, probably true. My, my brother was like, he loved to just play with tools. So supposedly got a hold of a hammer and broke everything in sight, including my mom's sugar bowl. And with no idea that was not what he was supposed to be creating, he yeah. brings it to her and he's like, I did it. <laughs> Look what I did. He created a bunch of pieces out of a whole thing. Mom was not pleased. But that's what we do naturally. That's, that's our true self is we come into the world to create and to take pride in it. And then we start getting what I call edited. You know, and I, I really talk about this whole, it's wonderful to meet somebody who wasn't edited as a child because most of us are heavily edited before we ever start school. And if we weren't edited by then, we're heavily edited when we start school. Like yeah. all the things that are natural expressions of creativity are usually wrong by the time we get to school, if not before, right? We're, that's not how you do the creative thing. You're supposed to do it this way. Or you're not supposed to be doing the creative thing right now, or we're heavily edited. You know, in the fifth grade, we were supposed to make up a play. And there was one other person in my fifth grade class who loved the classics and, you know, read a lot. And we were both in a Greek mythology phase at this point, mm -hmm. right? Fifth graders, mind you. And we decide that our play is going to be based on the story of Persephone. Now you try playing out Basically, kidnapping, rape, you know, grieving mother, all the things, and death. Let's, let's throw some death into the mix. And we had the time of our lives creating the story. 
it was not well received. Let's just say it was edited. So we go through this period. (laughs) Well, truth is, it wasn't appropriate for best fifth graders. I'll grant them that. Yeah. But but we, you know, we were, you know, I, I don't know if it was true punishment, but we certainly processed it as punishment, you know, and uh, and here we thought we had we had created something amazing and, and fabulous. And this interpretation of of the story that's been around for you know thousands of years. And so most of us have gone through that. So so think about the contrast. Just think about the contrast. You're coming to this world looking at everything around you as potential for creation. And then you start creating with it and somebody goes, no, that's not how you do it. Nope, that's not appropriate. Nope, you're not supposed to be doing that right now. Later would be good. Not right now. Don't do it. What does that, what what story does that code up? It, it literally codes up a story. Like we're, we're, write, we're writing a code in the form of story that says, if I'm too creative, I get in trouble. If I'm not creative enough, I'm not successful. What is a conflict in that structure, right? So, so how do we return to it? We start being willing to play with everything we see and everything we're given. And I see you do this all the time. It's just, it's incredible to me. And I'm a pretty good noticer of things, <laughs> but you set an intention and this is this is the creation, right? You just say, "What do I desire to create?" And and Tom says, "I desire to create good story." <laughs> yeah. And suddenly, you've turned on all the aspects, everything from you know what we call the superconscious field, your super, your superconscious, which is a whole other conversation. But but have fun looking that up, y'all. Um, but everything from the superconscious awareness right down to the reticular activators is going. Uh, I'm supposed to notice things that make good story. Got it. I'm on it. I'll start noticing things that make good story. And you went right back into your place of original power, which is I want to play with everything I'm given. I want to be creative with everything I'm given. And your form of creativity is to write. You know, Um, interestingly enough, out of the muses, I think there were four or five of them dedicated to writing. There was poetry. There was one that was dedicated to historic sagas. I mean, like it, it, it took several muses to cover all the ways that we write, but, but you just said, this is, this is my form of creativity. I'm going to, I'm going to tell story. And now I'm going to notice all the, the wonderful playthings that exist in the world that I can tell story with. That's how we return to our power. We say, what do I want to create? And then we start noticing all the ways, all the possibilities that we could create it. And then, of course, we got to get rid of all the resistance that comes from all the editing um, in between. <laughs> that, that's a whole different thing. But that's how we return to our power, which is our original state of being an, a natural, powerful, you know, superconscious creator. Yeah. And it, it starts by acknowledging and, and accepting at first is is almost a matter of faith that you do have that power. Yeah. It, it, it listening to Dixie explain this, we can all understand rationally. Yeah, that's true. I was, you know, I remember being a five year old and being told, no, don't do that. Don't sing that. Don't, you know, uh, uh, that act of creation, you actually broke something when in fact, you thought you were creating all of that makes perfect and rational sense. But I still think that there are people out there who, who, when they get to the moment of creation, they still forget, they still don't believe that they have that power. The other and and really critical thing, when you describe what I've done, and how I create and, and, and notice, the noticing and the creation, back to what we've been talking about is all rooted in process and system. I believe I have the ability. I believe this is where I want to go and how I want to create. I choose to do it more often through writing, although I'm creating, we're creating right now on video, on audio. But the ability to do that comfortably and consistently is rooted in sets of systems. I what is it that I choose to notice? I choose to notice those things 
that are related to the ideas I wish to share. And the ideas I wish to share are outlined, are listed, are revisited by me all the time. There's process in that, the lessons and the ideas that I wish to share. That's all done in a very rational, orderly, structured manner. And by doing it in that structured manner and by reminding myself consistently of those lessons and those things I wish to share, it's easy to notice those things that speak to those ideas. It's mm -hmm. easy to create. And that's where structure and creativity meld together. Yeah, they have to. Because here's the thing, you think about the story about, you know, my brother creating basically mosaic tiles out of mom's favorite sugar bowl. Right. Um, <laughs> it wasn't useful. It was creative. You know, it was dark creative, but it wasn't useful. It wasn't helpful to anyone. And, and so when we want to, you know, we're all creators, but we can create a lot of chaos if we're just creating, right? So... You see the difference. My, my brother, as far as I'm concerned, his true end result, his his true choice was just to hit something with a hammer and see what happened. Right. <laughs> he didn't have a useful outcome in mind when he approached that particular problem. And, he was just like, have hammer. Let's hit things and see what happens. Yeah, um, and this is such a critical idea. And I, sorry to interrupt, but but just as a simple framework, that idea, is it useful? What yeah. What is the utility here in what I have created and what I've put out? Ask yourself that question. Does it fit into the structure of what I'm trying to present? And if the answer is no, well, you've, you're, you may be a nice artiste, um, <laughs> but, uh, but you haven't created something that is relevant and of value to your audience. And, and so the creation process often starts with that question. What is, what is my purpose? What is it that I'm putting out and why is it of use? And if you, know, you it ahead. doesn't, it doesn't. And I'm going to interrupt you yeah. <laughs> because here's what I would love for people to notice is that, you know, in terms of a muse and, you know, one of my, one of my favorite, you know, just, the whole thing is, you know, the placebo effect, sure. right? You know, the whole placebo effect. And and I was fortunate enough that Joe Disp Dr. Joe Dispenza came on my radar. Actually, when I was like, I had a chapter in a, in a book, right? About the same time that Just Blow It Up came out, um, the thought that changed my life forever came out almost the same time, which is group work that Joe Dispenza had a chapter in and so did I. And fun stuff, because then I started reading all of this stuff. And, and one of his books is You Are the Placebo. And I, I'd always said, why do we spend so much time studying medicines instead of studying our own power? Because that's all the placebo effect is. It's just like the muse in that movie. That's, that's all it is. It's our own power. It's our inherent power. If you can do it when you're taking a sugar pill or, you know, buying gifts for somebody who says they're the daughter of Zeus, if you can do it when you're doing that, you could just do it, period. You are it. There's there's nothing else that's actually adding to the power except your belief. But we don't we don't study that. Right. We don't study that. Um, but here here's the here's the piece of that. One, you do have to be willing to do some creation for no reason at all. It's part of the practice. It's, you know, and, and you and I have been doing this long enough that we we do start, I think, a lot of times with the, is it useful? But I will tell you when I get any kind of, I have those days, maybe you don't, maybe you don't have those days anymore. I have those days when, frankly, nothing that comes to mind feels useful. Yep. Nothing I could put on the page or the screen or speak feels useful. And, and my place now is just to go to super kind, just go to the field and go, okay, What's the inspired next action? What needs to be said? And not think of the use, but we have to be willing to play straight from inspiration. And we have to be willing to create art for art's sake because it's part of the practice. Now, yep. what most people that want to muse want to really do, and, and that, you know, I think about Xanadu. Remember Xanadu? Okay, I just dated me. I don't know about you. <laughs> but, but I felt the same way about that. 
People are trying to get out of actually honing the gift they already have. Mm-hmm. By saying I don't have the gift, I don't have anything to hone. And if I don't have anything to hone, then I get to either say I don't have a gift and I hire somebody or I beg, you know, amuse to help me out or whatever. But I've abdicated the power I was born with. Now, That's if I own point. that power, yeah. I have to hone it in order for it to be meaningful. Yeah, I, and that's practice. I, I I agree with you. You're you're right, and it it is a valuable course correction. I I think it is important to tap into that utility often. But you're right, and and you're right that I do it. That there are times that we just create without mm-hmm. without being conscious of purpose and. If we're talking about writing, that may mean daily journaling, where where we just let it go. And for me, I journal daily. Oftentimes, I discover things when I reread my journal yeah. that I didn't realize I was saying and I didn't realize I was creating when I put them down on paper. So it's a really, really great point. But even then, that act of discovery, that act of taking the creation and packaging it and putting it out there demands that you have a sense of, you know, what are, what are you trying to put out there and why? And at some point, you connect your creations with that because... And that's if, the, in, the difference in now and end result. You know, right. it, it's so it's so brilliant because when we're when we're focused on what I want to create as an end result, then everything is in service to that. So, you know, what I want to create as an end result honestly isn't even my writing. It isn't even what I share. What I'm creating as an end result is my life. You know, yeah. that that's ultimately and I don't want to like without writing. I just don't. When, when I structure this is a life I love. This is what it has to look like. I have to be writing. I don't ha- even have to be sharing. I've never had that, that I need to write for other people or I need anybody to read it, let alone respond to it. I can write for myself for a year and not share any of it and just create a wealth of stuff, you know, but I have to be making up stories or it's not a life I love. So everything that we're creating is really in service of a life that we'll love. And it's a feeling, not a thing. So for a lot of people that are probably listening to this that are like, but I don't really even care about writing y'all. You two are talking about writing like you're in love with it. I'm not in love with it. Now, maybe I have the power to do it. (laughs) Maybe I don't need a muse, but I am not in love with my writing. It's cool. For you, writing's not an end result. It's a means to an end. What's the end? You know, what's the end result? Literally, what's the life you're creating that writing is in service of? Because if if you're here, I'm assuming you write in service of something. Um, you tell story in service of something. Maybe you don't write. You know, maybe, maybe you want to hone your story so that you can really connect with your audience or, you know, so that you can connect with your next client. I don't know. We connect through stories. The story is code for who we are, our identity. And it's code for what I call the personal identity narrative, our story about the world, like everything out there, like that's part of our personal identity narrative. How do we relate to it? How do we think it relates to us? So maybe you're just trying to learn story to connect better. Um, whatever it is, what's it, what's it in service of? Because whether you want to write just to write or you want to write brilliant just to write brilliant or whatever, here's here's the thing, Tom, this is what I love about this this metaphor in this, this movie, okay? In this case, this guy didn't just want to write. He wanted to write brilliant things. And here's, here's the thing. He wants what we all want. He wanted to do it effortlessly. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. he, just, he just wanted to skip some steps, right? And, and writing and connecting effortlessly that that's what he said. It's either all magic or none of it's magic. Yep. Take your pick. But that doing it effortlessly 
is like everything else that you do effortlessly, it's called practice, right? right. You walk probably effortlessly. Most of us are, are blessed with the ability to do that. But we didn't the first time that we tried to do it. Right. Well, if you did, please let me know because, you know, there might be an exception. Most of us fell forwards, fell backwards, fell sideways. You know, we fell on everything. But when you're little, it doesn't discourage you. So I would love for people to think about, you know, if you're looking for a muse, you know, are you really looking for the inspiration out there? Because inspiration's everywhere. Um, or are you really looking for a shortcut to the end result? Yep. Yeah. Because the I, best shortcut to the end result is the structure. I, exactly. And and I talk about part of the promise of story power marketing is to be able to tell powerful stories so that you can attract prospects, inspire them to act, inspire them to buy with greater ease, with greater comfort. And when I talk about easy, greater ease, I'm not talking about less effort or effortless. I'm talking about less pain, less struggle, less uncertainty, less doubt, less mystery, um, greater certainty, greater confidence, greater. And we talk about you talked about feeling a greater, uh, a greater sense of your power, that right. feeling I can do this. But knowing that you can do this and knowing that it will feel easier and less painful is not the same thing as saying you you don't have to show up and do the work. Somebody else right. is going to just say hocus pocus and do it for you. I uh, mean, you, you can't. It's called a ghostwriter. Uh, you're right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but right. here, here's the thing about, uh, you know, having ghosted some books and worked with some really great ghostwriters. I will tell you, if you can't come up with the elements of story, the best ghostwriter in the world can't make you tell a good story. Like you still have to be able to notice things. I, you know, no ghostwriter can get in your head and say, what did you notice here? Like mm -hmm. I, I do story sessions. I don't do ghostwriting anymore. Don't ask. Um, <laughs> but I still do story sessions with clients who, who, you know, are, are trying to, trying to figure out um, like for a memoir, something like that, you know, or, or even fiction um, and helping them learn to notice is, is the first step because that's that's the piece that that you have to do. Like nobody can do it for you. The writing, sure, you can hire somebody to do that. But if you don't give them raw material, there's still not much they can do for you. So right. it's it's that raw material and structure. And you can hire somebody else for the structure if you really want to. Um, I don't know why you would. It's, it's fun to learn it, and it's it's really, you know, we, we say success isn't personal. It's really not you. It's not whether you're good enough, not good enough. It's not the degrees. It's not all the things that you think are you. It's just structure. Yeah. Everything's just structure and story has structure. And, and the thing of it is once you learn structure, whether you want to write or you don't, once you learn the structure of story, you learn how to connect to people and that yeah. makes everything easier. I, I, everything. Yep. I, I you, you talked about noticing and I wanted to share with you all a story that part of my life that helped me discover the habit of noticing before I was ever talking about storytelling. And it's when I first got into Instagram. I'm not active on Instagram today, but I discovered Instagram some years ago, whenever it was first coming up. And I put it on my phone and I was looking at my phone and I was thinking, you know, now what? You know, do I just, you know, I'm, I'm not hanging at the bars with my with my boys and taking pictures of, you know, selfies of here we are drinking beer, having a party, you know, the, and uh, I, I thought, now what? What am I going to create? And what I chose to do was sort of take a deep breath, step back and just begin to notice, notice things that were interesting and different enough to share with the world. And so I did that around 
my house. My grandfather was a pediatrician. We have his old doctor scale and it's kind of brown and rusted, but it's cool. It's an interesting piece of engineering. I took a picture of uh, of the scale of the scale close up a uh, cool blue bowl i took a picture of it and i began to hashtag all these pictures hashtag i think it was stuff around my house and my daughter was sort of incredulous what the heck is this stuff around my house and i just said you know i'm playing with instagram i have no idea and uh was there utility there for the world? Probably not so much, but there was enormous utility for me because it made me slow down. And even after, even after I stopped doing it on Instagram, I had developed the habit of noticing. And the habit of noticing is something we do with our eyes. It's something we do with our ears. It's something we do with our hearts. So when we're talking about discovering story, when we're talking about journaling, when we're talking about so much of this stuff, what we're talking about is listening, watching, noticing. And out of that, when you connect it with structure of what do I intend to deliver to my audience and why, you are creating and you all have the power to do it. You know, it's, it's brilliant. Tom, you just illustrated what I was saying about play. So I hope everybody connected those dots because, you know, and I said, you have to be willing to play even when you don't know what you're doing. That's exactly what you did with the Instagram. It's like, I'm going to play with visual stories. I have no idea how this works um, or if it works or if I want it to work. But um, it's so it's so funny because one one of the clients that's in the coaching group, um, somebody that that we both know and, and appreciate, actually, her true choice for this month, we did our 30 day lenses, was to experience joy in the creative tension between the intuition, inspiration and the action and productivity. And we talked about how that it's it really is that experience of joy. It's like. I have an intuitive hit. I have an inspiration or I have a thing I want to do. And that point when we take action, which usually there's there's some resistance in it, right? A lot of a struggle in that space of, but what if it's the wrong thing? And you know, we, we do a lot of struggle in that space. You could have totally struggled with the Instagram thing. And she said, no, I just want to experience the joy that there's something I desire enough, love enough that I desire to create it. And I'm just going to take a, a breath and experience joy. So today on the coaching call, we talked about, you know, turning struggle into joy, which was, which was brilliant, but it's exactly, exactly what I told them. The way that you turn struggle into joy is instead of treating it as a thing I got to do to get what I want, you treat it as a something I'm willing to play with an experiment to see if it'll get me what I want. Mm. So that's yeah. what, that's what, well, this is what we do as kids, right? I'll try this. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, fine. I'll try this. And we just keep trying until something works. And that As adults, we don't. And that didn't work is not proof that you're on the wrong path, yeah. that, you're, uh, uh, that you're not a creative being. Uh, that didn't work often is a catalyst for conjuring the wrong stories, those stories we tell ourselves that create the resistance. And so that's a critical idea that didn't work is should be a catalyst for discovering the next step for moving forward. Enjoy the tension. Enjoy failing forward. Yeah. Yeah. When you enjoy that creative tension, which is just the difference between this is what I desire. And this is what I have. It's just, it's just the, it's just the, I want a masterpiece. I have a blank page, right? That's just the creative tension. There's power in that kind of tension. We see, you know, tension's uncomfortable. It is, you know, it is, it's, it's like, you know, when, when you work out, you're building, you know, strength, there's, we call it time under tension, you know, when you're holding something, uh, cause it's, it's uncomfortable, but there's power in it. And, and to be able to experience that joy in it instead of the struggle. And so I, I heard your Instagram story and I'm like, yeah, but, but it wasn't a failure because, you know, there's a whole nother element of storytelling that you mastered, even if it was, you know, a, a media um, that you weren't going to use in the future or you were going to use differently in the future, whatever. 
you played with a structure, you got out of the structure what you could get out of the structure, which is a lot. And then if that structure doesn't support what you want to build next, so, you know, tear it down, build something new, no big deal. Right. And, and for those who are feeling like I'm trying to build a business now, I'm trying to write those blog posts and those emails and create those videos that have those powerful stories that Tom talks about, but I feel stuck. What, what is one thing that they could do today after listening to this podcast or watching on video that can help them move past that resistance and, and begin to create comfortably and productively? Yeah. It's, I didn't anticipate that question. And, and I will tell you when you started the question, I'm like, Oh, I don't know where I'm going with this. And then it's like, Oh, I do too. I do too know where I'm going with it <laughs> because, because here's, here's the truth. Marketing, you know, if you want, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter from getting somebody's attention to keeping their attention to, to getting the sale, you know, all the way from awareness to, to client. We think we're dealing with a persona. We think we're dealing with, you know, a, an avatar. We think we're dealing with numbers. We think we're dealing with all those things represent one thing. They're all representations for one thing. And that is a person. Mm-hmm. It's a human being. And here's the thing that human being has story too. They have stories running around that they're not aware of all the fears, all the pain points, all the problems that you're going to solve, all the reasons that they want you know, to buy from somebody, maybe they don't know they want to buy from you yet, but that they want to buy from somebody is based on their story. And you know what their story is based on? It's based on the life they want to create. And it's based on the way they want to feel in their desired reality. So I I want to just say this. If you're stuck telling story, stop thinking about an audience. Stop thinking about your own creation and, and just being centered on the self-awareness of who I, I, I got to tell a story and just ask yourself this. If that person, any of those people, any human being that I would like to do business with were standing in front of me, what are their stories and what matters to them? Not, not what matters to them about your business, understand? What matters to them, period. Because when you start telling stories in a way that you're connecting to their stories and what matters to them, it doesn't matter if the story you're telling has nothing to do with what you sell. You know, I always say business, when you boil it down, business at its core essence is nothing more or less than one or more people creating something that has enough value that one or more other people are willing to compensate them for it. And notice I didn't say pay, I said compensate because, you know, it could be beads, it could be goodwill, it doesn't matter. Business is just people creating something that has enough value that other people want to compensate it until you get the people connected. Business is just slow and hard. Yeah. And 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 boring. You said it it may have nothing to do with what you sell, but it has everything to do with what you sell because what you sell is the journey. For the customer, for it. they they have the aspirations, they have the fears that they want to uh, overcome, they have the problems they want to solve. And if you lean in in the way that Dixie is talking about and don't get so caught up in the stories you're telling yourself, I'm not a creative person and so forth, and just lean into the story or the person that you're trying to reach, then that has everything to do with what you sell. What you sell is not the widget, the product, the service that you deliver. That's means to an end. What you sell is the journey that you're taking your prospect and client on. And so it has everything to do with what you sell. When I tell a story about Instagram, on the surface, it may have nothing to do with what I sell, but it has everything to do with what I sell because part of what I sell is the confidence and the comfort to 
notice in a productive way that leads you to the storytelling that will bring you the joy and the sales that you seek. Uh, when I tell a story yesterday uh, in the email that I sent to my list yesterday, it was about yoga class. I went to yoga class for the first time in my life. I'd never done yoga before until last week. What does that have to do with anything? Well, it had everything to do with not uh, not getting caught up in competition with others, not judging yourself relative to the person on the mat next to you. It had everything to do with developing a practice and a repetition. All of these are core lessons that take you on the journey. You, my listeners, my clients uh, who want to go on that journey to discover powerful stories, tell powerful stories, inspire prospects, make the sale. So the story always has something to do with, or often has something to do with what you sell. You know, I think ultimately what we sell is a perceived relationship. You know, whether it's a perceived relationship with a brand. Uh, I mean, you, you look at how outraged people get when a big brand doesn't treat them right. And they're like, but I've been your loyal customer for as though the as though the brand is actually an entity that understands that. What right. we're buying is a perceived relationship. And if we don't feel it in relationship, it's a commodity. We can buy it anywhere. And yep. unless you're willing to be the lowest priced commodity in your field, you you that's that's the only way that you're gonna sell without the relationship or the and perception without, of a relationship. And without the story. And that's what builds the relationship is the story. Yeah. That's exactly right. Well, Dixie, you have mentioned in passing a book. You've mentioned a coaching program. I know a lot about all of the wonderful things that you do and that you bring to the world. Your turn. Tell us more <laughs> detail about how people can reach you, how people can dive into the work that you do and how they can stay in, in touch with you and build a relationship with you. And that's what I love most. You, you know me, the, the thing I love most in the world is co-creation. Like, yeah. you know, we were talking about sometimes you tell a story with a purpose and sometimes you just tell a story. It's kind of like our conversations. You know, yeah. right now we're here co-creating something with a purpose. And sometimes we just chat and we co-create something really magical and it has no purpose except just the purpose of the creation. Right. So co-creating is absolutely it just that that's my in a life I love. That's how I really want to feel it is part of that co-creation. So really everything I do is around that. And it's funny because, you know, the the, the book, you know, that that came out at the same time that my that my other book came out and it it was kind of a funny thing, not planned that way. But the thought that changed my life forever was a co-creation with a lot of authors, um, which was just really, really fun. And then if you remember when I wrote Just Blow It Up, that was a co-creation because I based the stories to illustrate my points about blowing up the brick walls and brick walls for me are the, well, what I really want to do is, or what I really want to have is, but I can't because every time there's a can't, I just see this brick in the wall and I'm just like, we just, we just need to blow that up. Yep. Let's mm -hmm. just, let's just blow that up. We don't blow it up. That. So um, that's <laughs> the name, that's the name of the book. So, right. so tell people. That was a co-creation. And now, you know, what I'm really co-creating with, you know, so many amazing clients in this group and um, have, have taken the videos from a year ago and my video technology has changed. I look at some of those and I'm like, ooh, yuck. But as we say, the value is not in the perfection, right? But I've packaged those up into a free masterclass so that just anybody can get their hands on the principles that we've been talking about. Because, you know, not, not everybody's ready for a coaching group. Not everybody's ready for a deep dive immersion, which is the the, you know, the, the, the coaching group is, is a super conscious immersion. Not everybody's ready for that. And that's cool. Like yeah. and where, wherever you are. Um, so co-creating this, this, you know, master class that I'm just going to make available to everybody. So those, those are my joys and my jams. Um, yeah. Best place to find me these days, honestly, LinkedIn didn't used to be true. Love and LinkedIn. Um, and you can learn more about the actual programs at return to your power.com. Return to your power.com. Yeah. And Dixie Gillespie, G-I-L-L-A-S-P-I-E, <laughs> -L -L Dixie Gillespie on LinkedIn. 
And the names of the books that we've referenced and the best place to go find those. Yeah. The group work is The Thought That Changed My Life Forever, which is about exactly what it sounds like. It's about powerful stories, powerful stories about thoughts. And then Just Blow It Up, Firepower for Living an Unlimited Life, both available on Amazon. Awesome. Dixie, any parting thoughts before we (laughs) say goodbye this time? You'll be back, but uh, we... We have to call it a day at some before point. we close this story. You mean mm-hmm. before, before we write the end this of this chapter? Story. <laughs> yeah, you know it, it. It really, you know, the the parting thought that I have for everybody is that everything that we create is a combination of what we call, you know, the the, the inner, the feminine action, right, and the outer, the masculine action, and so much of what we've talked about is that we have to be willing to do both. We we don't need a muse for either part. We don't because we can do the interaction of noticing the interaction of, of being in story and noticing story and, and just making up story and just playing with story, just having fun with story to take the masculine or external action of bringing story into a structure and giving it meaning so that it can be shared in a way that's attractive to other people. It's both. It, it's neither. It, it's never an either or um and, and it's, it's never something that you can't do. That's a great point to end on. Dixie, I knew we would have fun. I knew we would go in all sorts of wonderful directions. I had no idea where we would go when we started this, but I knew it would be great. So happy you could spend some time with us. And as I said, you'll be back. Uh, we'll do this again down the road. And to all of you out there listening or watching, thanks so much. And we'll see you again on the Story Power Podcast. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. If you liked what you heard today, visit storypowermarketing.com slash resources, where you can sign up for Tom's entertaining, informative, must-read emails download free business building resources, and discover other opportunities to help you harness the power of storytelling. That's storypowermarketing.com slash resources to help you captivate prospects, inspire them to act, and grow your business with greater ease and joy. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.